You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. Just a little while ago, Dave Wilson was here and he was talking uh, specifically about financial shares needing some help in recovering. I do remember. I listened to Dave Wilson. (laughs) In comparison with technology names, it was actually his chart of the day. But I got to say, I don't know that that's the case of Connect One Bancorp because the stock has done very well and certainly been recognized uh, by investors in 2019. Frank Sorrentino is back with us. He's CEO at Connect One, based in Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, back in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio here in New York. Nice to have you here with us. Uh, great to be here again. So how would you describe the banking environment? It's an interesting environment today, uh, certainly. Interesting good, interesting bad. Yeah, well, you know, what is, what is that? It's a Chinese curse, right? right. <laughs> Live an interesting life. Um, certainly an interesting environment. You know, we, we find that the economy in general is doing pretty well, and most of our business owners are fairly upbeat about what's going on. Yet oh, everything that you see or read in the news, including, you know, today, Depends on what day you wake up and you know what 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 Twitter feed you are, are watching. So, um, but in general, I think the economy is pretty good. Banks are pretty well positioned. They've never had so much capital as they have today. Um, as you saw, you know, earnings were pretty good for banks across the board right. uh, this, this right. past quarter. Do you think it's right when they talk about loosening some of the reserves or some of the requirements, on you know rolling back some of the financial crisis and financial crisis era? adjustments on banks? I, I, I don't think that, I don't really believe there was anything significant there that's contributed to or added to where the financials are today. Uh, some of those things were mostly adjustments. There weren't any, any really big so wholesale. So we be rolling back anything? Uh, there are things, of course, that I think um, we, we need to take another look at. Some of the capital requirements, some of the complexity that's in the that's in the regulation, more so than the actual, um, you know, what does the regulation say? It's the complexity around it and the cost of compliance with that complexity. I think is just a drag on the economy, and it doesn't really benefit anyone. Uh, tell us about what your customers are, are telling you, because you know I feel like we have an okay picture of what yeah. businesses are saying, whether they're borrowing, whether they're spending, whether they're expanding. If you can generalize sort of how your customers are feeling, what, what would you say? So look, I think um, clients in general, and it almost doesn't matter what industry we're talking about, but um, the labor market's tight. Yeah. Okay, so that's both a good thing and a bad thing. Interest rates are low on historic yep. by historic standards or any other standard you want to look at so people feel confident about making certain types of decisions about the future in that in that environment people feel good that they have jobs businesses feel good that their businesses are profitable uh, people feel they can expand or you know uh, make capital improvements to their business because interest rates are really low so in general it's an upbeat it's an upbeat sense of where we are. So are you seeing more people take out mortgages? Are you seeing you know, businesses that, you, that are your clients either take out money for capital expenditures or improvements? What, what are, you seeing? are you seeing deposits grow? What are you seeing, Frank, in terms of your metrics? So yes, yes, and yes. Okay. I, I would say wow. the, biggest, the biggest holdback in the residential economy right now is the lack of product in brand new housing. It's just not there. Yeah. Um, so that's... that's so that, that's a good sign for that industry. Yes, businesses are borrowing. Businesses are expanding. Businesses are uh, spending money on a lot of technology, capital improvements, efficiency uh, matters. And, you know, this whole concept of, well, we're going to wipe out an entire um, 
part of the economy because of uh, you know efficiencies that are coming to the marketplace. I just I don't see it. I see it going in the other direction. There are more better quality jobs that are going unfilled today than I think than there ever have been before. So when it comes to your business, more consolidation coming coming, and uh, are you a buyer here? So. Well, the, yes and yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the banking industry has been consolidating somewhere around 4 to 5% per year for the last 20 years or so. There were some 20,000 banks uh, 25 years ago. There are 5,000 and a few others uh, right now. The rate of consolidation is about the same. It's still consolidating mm -hmm. at about 5%, which would be at 250 banks a year. Um, and yes, uh, Connect One Bank uh, closed on an acquisition earlier in the year. Uh, and we announced another one here in August. So uh, there are opportunities to build scale to uh, create a more f efficient uh, banking platform uh, under Connect One. Well, what do you get out of consolidation? And we just got about 40 seconds here. What do you get? Is it just in case you're able to cut back on people? because you can kind of Boost integrate operations or look what? I think I think you really look need to look at the bigger economy to understand what's happening right um, the community bank model where geography is so important has has slipped away a yeah. bit yeah. Okay. so efficiency is important scales important the ability to market across a much larger platform is important and you need size uh, and revenue in order to be able to do that and the be and one of the one of the best ways to do that is to merge with your partner or or, or Acquire or be acquired. All right. Love, love talking to you. I really do feel like we get a snapshot of what's going on because I feel like there's so many questions out there. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. Frank Sorrentino, Chief Executive Officer of Connect One Bank, publicly traded, based in Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey, here with us. I was born in, in Manhattan. Inglewood. Wow. Inglewood Hospital. Famous daughter. Yeah. Well, right. I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll see. So delighted to have our next uh, two guests in our studio. We mentioned earlier we would talk about affordable housing. Habitat for Humanity in New York City works on that. It also has an initiative to help support more homeowners financially. And so let's get into it. Karen Haycox is back with us. Full disclosure, she's a neighbor of mine, and we run into the dog park occasionally. She's CEO of Habitat for Humanity New York City. Also with us is Chris Illum. He's executive director of Habitat for Humanity New York City Fund. And so let's get into uh, their news. You said you'd be back when you had some news. So what's going on? That's great. Well, I think what's going on is most of the time when people think about Habitat for Humanity, they think they know, right? You yeah. Know, we, we, you know what we do. We, right. we get a bunch of volunteers together and raise some walls. But Visions of Jimmy Carter, like, you know, totally. fresh is, out of the hospital, that is where I was in. a couple of weeks ago, fortunate, very fortunate to, to say so. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, that is who we are. But in New York City, we're also, as you might expect, this much more complex animal. Um, and so one of our goals really is we'll never be able to build our way out of an affordable housing crisis in New York City. And so consequently, our model is morphed to try and preserve the existing affordable uh, housing that we do have, try mm -hmm. and prevent displacement of low-income uh, homeowners across New York City and keep them where they are. So we have this complex preservation model, and part of that is the CDFI or the lending entity. So I want people to know that we are who you think we are, but we're also this other much more complex, impactful um, entity that works in the city of New York. And so, Chris Illum, break it down for us. How does this work? Because, you know, our audience certainly appreciates sort of the complexity of finance and, and how it plays through here. Uh, sure. How does it work? <clears throat> 
Well, first, I think it's important to recognize that um, in 1994, the CDFI, CDFI fund was created uh, as a partment of the Treasury. So this is something that the federal government also funds through the CDFI fund. And the CDFI fund was designed to get capital to underserved communities throughout the country. Right. Uh, we are a small fund that focuses solely on affordable housing, building new affordable housing that's long-term affordable and preserving what we have, particularly in New York City, the HDFC community. So we take investments mostly from CRA-motivated investors, and then we deploy that uh, strategically in the HDFC community to help stabilize those buildings. This is fascinating. Where's this money coming from? So talk about the investors that are actually poning up some money. So they can come, <clears throat> investors can come from multitude of places. Um, there are impact investors, there are foundations that do this. Um, Family wealth offices? I'm just curious yes, if it's yes. coming from all these different avenues. Because this is, we spend a lot of time talking about public markets versus private markets, and private markets are getting into some very interesting areas, and it sounds like you guys are benefiting from it. I think a lot of people talk about impact investing, mm -hmm. and I would mm -hmm. bet you that almost everybody has a slightly different version of what that means. But that's effectively, that's what we're looking for. This is a, a marriage of public and private monies towards specifically housing and affordable housing in New York City. And so it's a much more complex funding model, but we are seeing philanthropists or people who have funded us traditionally through annual giving or monthly giving look at more complex giving programs, and we're certainly looking to develop that sector much more prolifically so that we, the people that who are philanthropically minded also right. can potentially leverage their wealth towards this work. Right. Well, and Karen, I think you used the word, and if you didn't, I will. I mean, there is a crisis of affordable housing Absolutely. here in the New York City area. And so, uh, Chris, help us understand maybe some specific projects where, you know, people might have, might be familiar with or at least familiar with the areas that we're talking about. Sure. So I think um, a great project we were involved in, along with Springbank and the city of New York, as well as um, an organization called UHAB, was a 40-some-odd unit HDFC cooperative, which is a limited equity cooperative in the Hunts Point section of the Bronx. The building had suffered some abandonment, but the other thing you know we always talk about is for restrictive housing or affordable housing, there has to be restriction and benefit. And in this scenario, this building was paying market rate taxes mm -hmm. um, because there is there was a tax cap they were eligible for, but being that the tax rate in the South Bronx in that area was not nearly um, as high as sort of the cap. So they weren't benefiting from that. They suffered from some disinvestment, some abandonment, and then through technical assistance and the hard work of the people who came before us, you have, and the partnership we have with Spring Bank, we were able to lend uh, to take care of some municipal arrears, to stabilize the building and make them eligible for city funding. So our loan, uh, total between Spring and us was about $515,000 to satisfy municipal arrears that then ended up leveraging about four to four and a half million dollars of public investment, saving those units uh, for, for multiple generations to come. Talk to us about scaling up, Karen. How much of this can you guys do? We are, you know, that's part of the deal. I think, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I think we are leveraging our brand and our balance sheet to do this kind of work in a way that Habitat is not able or staffed up to do around the nation. So we are what I like to affectionately refer to as an and organization. So Chris has another job in addition to being executive director of the fund. He works most closely with our homeowner applicants mm. and uh, getting them ready for homeownership. So there's a lot of... Uh, dual hat wearing going on at, um, at Habitat New York City. And, yeah. and we like to be efficient and effective with the resources that we have on hand. That said, the, the art in the art and science of this work is trying to predict the time at which we need to staff up and, and uh, be ready to service more and more. But this allows us effectively to touch 
thousands more families than we would ever be able to do in our traditional model. And so, Karen, as you talk to your colleagues around the country and in, in the broader organization, I mean, what what's the mood right now? Because, you know, housing is arguably one of the most personal things. And I know that that's at the core. I lived in Georgia for a long time, very familiar um, with the organization. Like, how are people feeling about that opportunity to, to own a home, to live uh, in a place that's, that's both appropriate and affordable? Well, I think, you know, if I, at first I thought you were going to ask the question relative to my colleagues. And I think when I think about my colleagues in the housing sector around the nation, yeah. Habitat for Humanity specifically, certainly we're feeling tentative. But we're also really looking to be as creative and as new yeah. as we can and looking at new models that Habitat historically never would have addressed. Um, we are looking at rental options and rent to own mm -hmm. options and different strategies really to engage and serve families because we believe in that role always and forever, the role that housing plays in the overall health and, and uh, long-term well-being being of the families that work with us. But I think how are homeowners feeling? I, I mean, I think our sector, you know, they are quite honestly doing everything that they could, they, they're doing everything right, but they're just slightly above being able to to receive any real subsidy, and they're slightly below yeah. being able to receive a market-based solution. Right. So there's, I think they're tenacious, regardless of the market. I also think they are an incredible credit risk, given that they we have a very low default rate nationwide, right. and we ride through many of the market twists and turns, and I believe that's because of the resiliency of the community that we serve around homeowners. I have to tell you, I, I moderated a panel, panel at Milken Institute, it included the CEO of Brookfield Asset Management, um, Tom Barrick of Colony Capital, uh, the CEO of Discovery Land Company, all these big real estate leaders, and our conversation ultimately turned very quickly to affordable housing. Right. Like It is on everyone's radar, so right. it's great to see the work that you guys are doing. Thank All right. You. We really appreciate you coming by. Karen Haycox is CEO of Habitat for Humanity New York City. And Chris Illum is executive director of the Habitat NYC Fund. That's going to do it for us on well, a Halloween. Pleasure. My daughter has worked for Habitat for Humanity with, her, with her colleagues, with her with mother, their, with their friends and, my, and me. And we're going to go back and do more. It's go. great stuff. Um, busy day. Jobs tomorrow. Jobs tomorrow. Everybody looking forward to that is going to give us a key look. For Carol Masser, I'm Jason Kelly. And this is Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Business Week brought to you by MBAF CPAs and Advisors, dedicated to solving complex tax and accounting challenges, identifying opportunities, and helping businesses maximize profits. Learn more at mbafcpa.com. Yeah. <laughs>